0: How you doing, mate? You're right? I'm
1: all right. How are you, mate?
0: Yeah, you know, bit pandemicy. But yeah, yeah, I get that vibe. Yeah. Apart from, apart from the pandemic, actually, you know, fine. Really. Yeah. That's uh, good. As it's, 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 it's caveats go, apart from the pandemic, is quite a big caveat.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. Yeah.
0: Caveat, certainly. So mm. yeah, yeah, apart f- apart from the the desperate worry and anguish
2: that's a good conversation to walk in on hello yeah yeah, yeah. yeah i'm not talking about my goals though I know. Yeah. you know the
0: i don't know the the all enveloping news of-
1: yeah it's hard it's hard to avoid it although i've i've found much to my sort of shame as it's kind of gone on every time i've kind of gone on like bbc or whatever i'm just like oh yeah it's more coronavirus stuff okay i'll i'll um, I've had my fill of that for about three weeks now. So,
0: well, the thing is, that's being a human being. That's the level yeah. it will exist on for you, unless somebody you know gets very badly ill or dies from it. Yeah, that's, and that's very entirely. True. It's entirely natural. Um, yeah, 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 A guy that Julia used to work with, who uh, she hasn't seen for years, died from it uh, a week or so ago. He was in his forties. Um, it's not somebody I've met, so I can't claim any kind of personal uh, personal connection, but. Mm. Yeah, it's just you know, as humans, we don't we don't respond appropriately to every single death. Otherwise, you'd spend your entire life being devastated.
1: Yeah, true. Yeah,
0: yeah. you know, it's a coping. it's a good thing, a coping strategy. Even the way people get over over grief is is good. You yeah. know,
1: yeah, but it's yeah, why yeah. you
0: survive. Otherwise, you just lie around all, all day weeping.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> listening <laughs> listening to Bon yeah. Bon- bon- Boniver. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> all of uh, uh, yeah, I I I lay around weeping most days, and that's because I've got a toddler kicking my fucking skull in, um, <laughs> every, the thirty-minute intervals.
1: Cool. Should we um get get to the nub of it?
2: The nub. One, one, yeah. one, one, one
3: second. Um, no. Was everyone's connection all all right? There by by the way.
1: Uh, yeah, you sort of disappeared for a fair bit into your spaghetti, but um, you, uh,
0: <laughs> you, you came back. Yeah, you're going
3: to oh, disappear it's... into anything, though, please. Sucked <laughs> 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 into me spaghetti. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, fine. No, it's it, it, it glitches shit here. Anyway. Uh,
1: it's fine. It's fine here. And, and it's, uh, yeah. Every, well, I mean, it's fine now.
0: It was a bit shit for a bit. But
1: anyway. Yeah. Um,
3: Happy days. Crack, cool. crack on.
0: I'd delight to uh, meet you all in this format. I hope um, yes. I hope you're all doing as well as could be expected, considering the, you know, the thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because just uh, sit, sitting around. Nice, isn't it? Playing computer games is mostly what I'm doing at the moment, which is not very functional in any way, but, you know, it's somewhat <laughs> to do.
0: It's not. I, I haven't really done that for seven or eight years. That the 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 sheer joy whilst playing, and then the feeling at the end of the day of a life wasted is yeah,
1: quite... yeah. It's 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 quite um, there's a, a uncomfortable duality to it, isn't there? He sort of oh, it is fantastic. That's... I love
0: strategy games. Like and I'd I'd play. I'd literally just watch DVDs all day and play strategy games, and I'd be in, I'd be so happy, and then at the end of it all, I would just it was, I feel sorrowful yeah. Yeah.
2: It. <laughs> it's good yeah. when you can see you can quantify it so like when you play football manager and then you can see you have spent three days and 11 hours mm, playing yeah, this that, game and you're like that's fuck had it a week yeah. I don't know
0: I've, I've conquered Europe so many times in so many <laughs> different games and I don't know I don't know if this is going to sound weird but ultimately it didn't feel real
3: mm. <laughs> <laughs> no
0: I used Unless you've got that silverware who, um, in
3: your hands. Sorry. sorry? I, no, I used to, I used to work with a guy who, um, every, every time Call of Duty came out, um, he'd always call in sick. And we'd always say that he'd have <laughs> cod flu. <laughs> 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 and he'd be like, we'd be like, oh, you're, 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 oh you've, you've definitely been playing Call of Duty. Like, no, no, I've not, I've not. And then you look online, he's been like, you know, online for like 48 hours or something. <laughs> <I> <laughs>
0: I, I used to work with a guy, a lovely guy, who uh, booked a week's holiday for when Bioshock Infinite came out. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: uh, I love that so level he, of so he could complete commitment. it. You know, not the longest game in the world. So he completed it on all the different like, le- like levels and stuff. And impressive. Yeah. <laughs> That's Basically, kind the- of. He's a lovely guy. Not that successful with the ladies, you might be.
1: Surprised. Right. Yeah. I mean, I find it quite interesting that a game that calls itself infinite isn't very long to play.
0: Yeah, maybe twelve hours. I reckon right. the, the, the 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 camp the campaign, campaign. As you might call it, excellent yeah. decent. But if you haven't played Bioshock one or two, they're fantastic games.
1: Though. Yeah, I've played Bioshock one. I think yeah. before, and it is good. The, with The yeah. the
0: Bioshock I 1 go and 2 I, I highly recommend but Bioshock Infinite is it's not really like it, it's more of a normal game whereas the, right, okay. the first 2 are very particular you know yeah. very claustrophobic in particular mm. but uh, yeah we, we're not here to talk about Bioshock although mm. really we are here to talk
2: about we yes <laughs> uh, uh, um, Tom would you, would you like me to do a, a, yeah, uh, a slick do intro or intro. a shambolic intro whatever <laughs> All right then, Symbolic for me, please, mate. Yeah. Fantastic. Here we go. Welcome to the Long Drive Home podcast with Alfamel Tea Party. We are joined today by the Reverend Andrew Falcus from uh, oh, <laughs> Future of the Left, uh, Emma Chris, uh, Christian Fitness. <laughs> uh, we've said Reverend to Mike Venart before, so I thought I'd throw that in. Right, before. equally yes. Reverend. Did he, did he uh, like
0: it? Did he like Reverend Mike? Michael?
2: Well, he wears a cape now, so he wears a cape.
0: I think he, talk, that, I think I think he took slight offence. Slight offence. He's, He's been through some times, hasn't he? That's what, oh. comes from, yeah. that's what comes from being in a band with somebody with a symmetrical drum kit. I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> no. uh, that, is, that, is so, that is so drummer, though, isn't yeah. it? Having a symmetrical drum kit. It's, yeah. such a, it's such a drummer thing to say and then to have to follow through on it. I'm going to have um, a symmetrical drum kit, guys. No, you're not.
1: Like, no, that's right.
0: ridiculous. <laughs> Watch this. I, Watch I, this. To prove you wrong, just to spite you, I'm you go, I am going to play a
1: symmetrical drum <laughs> kit. I mean, I remember seeing Ocean Size years ago and, and like seeing his kit and being, you know, like I was quite young at the time, and being like sort of in awe of it. But now I know that he did it simply because he wanted it to be symmetrical. I find it uh, an awful lot less impressive some reason or other.
0: I don't know. I, I, I admire his um, commitment to the ideal of it.
1: Yeah. Because,
0: but... because at the end of the day, there's a reason I suppose why I'm, I'm not a drummer and that would be confirmed if you'd ever heard me try and play the drums. It's, you know that thing where it's the end of, you know, rehearsals are oh, like yeah, a fucking scrap when people jump on the different instruments. Mm. or catch me jumping on the drums. <laughs> <laughs> I like it's to right? be in control. I don't like to be obviously not in control. <laughs> but a drum kit, I suppose, is set up a certain way because that's generally the easiest way for it to be played. You know? Oh, it matter so, yeah. Yeah, yeah that generally considered to be true. It's not like a... It's not like a test. It's it's meant to be convenient. So, mm. but yeah, it was always uh, it was always interesting that drunkie. Yeah, so, always interesting. Um. So has
1: uh as Ben sort of explained what the sort of basic premise of, of what just we're bad into. gigs? Yeah, I guess. Mate. yeah, you know, chit, yeah. There's chit nothing chit. more nuanced than that, to be honest.
2: Uh, you can name and shame if you like, or you can put them behind a veil of anonymity. No. There are, the, if you want. there are a couple of
0: bad gigs i won't talk about just for personal reasons and because i don't want to end up in fistfights yeah. i'm not very good at. I... i'm not very good at naming and i'm not very good at veiling anything to be honest mm-hmm. with Okay. Like, i'm i'm very bad at, at, at lying at um disguising my intent i've tried subtext And (laughs) not for you, you know, know. I in the written form I can just about get away with subtext, but I'm (laughs) I'm text, 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 so so I I won't do that. But I did actually make extensive notes, and by that I mean I wrote down the names of five places. That's brilliant, brilliant. (laughs) we
2: like it when people make notes because
0: yeah, I I always make notes or usually do research. We did it on Zoom, we did a, a apprenticeship. Quiz the other day, football. And I was
2: on that one actually. I was hidden oh, in the corner behind, behind a picture of Duncan Ferguson throttling. I did um, ten minutes of research for that. Right, I did zero minutes, which is why I came last.
0: Yeah, well, we won, but there were three in our team, so I can't help feeling as if that was uh, cheating, like the Manchester City of uh, <laughs> <like> Premiership <laughs> quizzes. But um I did, in, but in my ten minutes of research, I came across two of the of the quiz answers. Uh, so
2: so I, did, I did none, and I very much ended up like Barnsley around
0: 1998. There you go, so. you see? There you go, the perfect. But I did, like I say, make a list. Generally speaking, it's true that most of the shit gigs happened at the start, you know, of playing. Yeah. Because, well, because frankly, nobody cares about you at all. Whereas the bigger, in inverted commas, you get – People are better at pretending that they care about you, (laughs) doing doing the basics. The the first shittest gig I remember was in Merthyr, and a lot of the shittest examples of anything have happened in Merthyr, if you've ever ever been there. And we were playing a gig, this is very early McCluskey, maybe 99 or 2000, so possibly before somebody who listens to or watches this was even born. <laughs> um, we were playing with a band called Midasano. I don't know if you remember that, that band. Uh, Welsh, I vaguely Welsh remember him. Have... One of the guys went on to play in a band called Exit International. So Scott used uh, to play it. Yeah, I, I know that's, Scott. That's, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Scott was the singer of Midicino. Um And uh, it, this is the, oh, the the first time. This has subsequently happened to me four times where I've been electrocuted on stage. Mm. But this was the first time I was electrocuted on stage. Uh, to the point of uh, being knocked out and being blown back past the drum kit and uh, colliding with the back wall. Um, as, as if playing in murtha wasn't traumatic enough by virtue of being in, in Mirtha. And so the second time uh, it, it happened, there was a few... I, I, again, I don't know if you guys have any experience with being electrocuted on stage. Um, I there was a couple of little shocks and then I got knocked right back. And then I was encouraged uh, to, to keep going, including one guy at the front who kept calling me an English pussy. As if, wow. As if it really? was a, you know, as if there was some kind of vulnerability based on, based on borders. You know? um, uh, and uh, the second time I got actually blown back past and our friend Mark Foley, who's featured in this Old man chasm as Future of the Left fans yeah, uh, yeah. would know, he was uh, DJing or at the DJ booth with his girlfriend at the time, a girl called Claire, and the DJ booth was right next to us. And when I got, uh, when, I, when I came round, having been, you know, knocked out, he went, it was brilliant. We could see a blue flash going from your mouth to the microphone. And I'm like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, next time you see that, could you could you tell someone? <laughs> anyway, I basically, I caused a bit of a scene by saying, I'm not going on and carrying on until this gets sorted out, at which point you could hear some people go, what kind of punk band is this? And you're
1: like... Oh, oh. God.
0: Just, oh, God. you know, you fundamentally misunderstand. I suspect they fundamentally misunderstand lots of concepts. <laughs> <laughs> you know, not, it's not just particular to, to punk rock. Um, and the guy from the venue came over and he went... Oh, we get this all the time. Oh, come <laughs> on. And I'm like, what? You get nearly fatal incidents all the time. You, that happens. You should, that should stop happening, really. <laughs> yeah. Finishing the gig. I mean, this was, I can't remember if this was after McCluskey's first album or just before it. It was some time around, around then. But I've subsequently been uh, electrocuted yeah, another on another three occasions, but never as never as seriously as that. Wow! Never God. as se- Now I know the second that the electricity starts to engage with my face, <laughs> that I have to stop everything until you know, and, until that stops happening because
3: wow.
0: I don't want to be. I don't want to sound like a prude, but I don't want to be electric <laughs> 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 I don't know that maybe that does make me sound incredibly English. Um it's very
2: prissy of you. It is very prissy, isn't
0: it? I mean, what am I what am I even doing? Um hmm. definitely not gonna get a review in maxim maximum rock and roll now. But yeah, uh <laughs> but you know, I so that was my first of of bad gigs. I mean, obviously there's been lots of lots of bad gigs. Um uh in a general sense but that was that was the first one which really stuck out because of the nearly dying
2: bit Mm. wow i mean the last podcast we had someone talked about somebody actually dying before they went on
0: oh right
2: and then yeah and then you so that's quite a nice sort of segue i guess yeah well um, that's a good segue yeah
0: Yeah, good. Well, better than the other kind of segue. (laughs) Um, That would be a controversial way to conduct a podcast. (laughs)
1: Just give it a go, I don't know. Um, Very much so. I
2: am not as, you know, retrospectively hilariously uh, got electrocuted about 11 or 12 times, but not to that level of severity while doing a gig in a pub many years ago. And it was a PA that I'd recently bought and set up and the reason I'd been electrocuted was because I'd use these old um extension cables from mom and dad's garage that yeah. I just I needed. I didn't buy any more. I couldn't buy any more and any money. So I was like, oh, I'm just gonna use these. Nice one. Uh, but they used to live in Germany. So they were German adapters. Uh-huh. And I bought it for the Potomen, which is all German plugged anyway. But it didn't have the earth. So I subsequently became Live, well, yes, yeah, so I became live, very much <laughs> so, and dangerous for the entirety of that evening. Yeah, that's really? not—it's
0: not what you want, is it? Not, not really. It's—it's—it's. Really. It's, it's re- I mean, because the thing is, in general, if something isn't earthed, if you're just singing, you're not going to have a problem. But it's when you touch the guitar and you're singing, mm-hmm. then you—you you complete the circuit.
1: <laughs> but I mean, it used to be like sort of fairly common in the sort of 60s and 70s for, for people yeah. to actually end up dead as a result of it because things weren't sort of earthed properly. Yeah. So now, I mean, even, you know, obviously that's that's going back a bit still, but even at that point in time, there's still kind of regulations around having things properly earthed and and circuits like properly, you know, regulated and all that kind of stuff so it's it's a pretty shocking that it even happened in the first
0: place yeah like regulations yeah. in mertha in the late 90s
1: yeah <laughs> for, any, for anything that i true. did an accidental pun then didn't i yeah thanks for pointing that out um but just but the 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 fact that the guy that runs the bars, like yeah that happens quite a lot and you're yeah. like mm, yeah, right you're like yeah Ugh.
0: <laughs> yeah because <laughs> yeah. for me i mean i love rock music but what is very the danger danger in rock music for me is f- meant to be figurative
2: yeah <laughs> yeah it's i very not, much agree with. like
0: that. for me actual violence or uh or anything where somebody you know somebody's health is in danger i'm just not interested that's just just for me music music is a special dare i say it and I'm using this term more in the general sense of the word as opposed to in a, a culture war sense of the word. Music is a, uh, a phrase, a safe space, you know. Mm. It's, a safe, it's a safe space in which you get to do your stuff. And yeah, it's yeah. performative and it can be a bit aggressive sometimes. But actual threat to life, I'm going to say no to that. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I might just prefer to stay home on the sofa watching reruns of Border Force.
0: Yeah, um, I don't know what that is, but it, it's, it's, I, can, I can put two and two together, Border Force.
2: Check it out, it's yeah,
0: incredible. I, I think
1: I've just worked it out. Thanks. There you go. So, Greg, um, can I ask Greg a question? Because he, you you work in live events, Greg. So. If that if that sort of thing was to happen to you at the Echo Arena in Liverpool, what?
3: Please what... don't 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 say that word. You have, to, you have to bleep that out now.
1: Oh really? Yeah. You're not, you're not allowed to say on the internet <laughs> where you
3: work. It's not called that anyway. So oh, you know, it's you can't not. It's say. called the
1: M&S Bank Arena, isn't it? Well, you okay, definitely yeah. gonna have to bleep that out.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so go on. What's the question? So if, if
1: someone was to be electrocuted on stage at the Beep Beep Arena in Liverpool. Yep. Yeah. What 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 sort of repercussions would you expect as a as uh, a project manager that, there?
3: That that is a, an instant showstopper, that mate. Yeah, <laughs> instant showstopper. Show stop like a with... big number. <laughs> yeah, the curtain comes down, and um, yeah, yeah, get get launched into an ambulance, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Pretty good. That's, uh, what, that's what happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we the, it, it, we it, didn't, it, didn't have anything like that. It was no, um, no,
2: yeah. Do they have emergency services in Merthyr?
0: Oh, they do. Well, if there's, if there's a place where you want emergency services, mate. You know, it'd be good, I, I feel, you know, horrible saying that. I, you know, Merthyr's, Merthyr's wonderful and everything, as long as you've been introduced to everybody by yeah. uh, by by somebody who knows the hard guys in the pubs. and like, <laughs> you know. First time I, I went to, to Merthyr, a guy named Mike, we walked into a place, and he went up to the bar and talked to two guys, and then he came over and went, oh, you're all right now, man. And I'm like, I do a way anyway. Uh, what, do I, you know, do I have to fight somebody to prove my worth? Because, spoiler alert, that's not going to go that well. Those guys are twice my fucking time? Yeah. I
1: mean, it's it's putting me right back into the computer game I've been playing today. I've been playing Red Dead Redemption. So, you oh, know. The first I, one. Yeah, yeah, the first one. So oh. going into villages and towns and having to have a duel with someone to prove that you're hard enough. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. I'm in there.
0: <laughs> yep, yeah, that's pretty much modelled on Mirtha oh my, 1997 yeah. Yeah, yeah, I thought so. Yeah. Except yeah. there's more horses in Merthyr. Yeah. And the story <laughs> and the, and the narrative arc moves more quickly in
2: Merthyr. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Uh, uh, fantastic. Would you like to tell us about a uh, another uh, another badge? Another another bag. Check out my extensive
0: list. Um. This is more, there's two gigs we did on a tour in, I forget, I think whatever year The Plot Against Common Sense came out. And these gigs were bad just because I let, more just because I let things get to me. Um, it's, it sounds incredibly ungrateful because it's all a question of um, perspective about what you're used to. But about eight years ago, I got fucking sick of playing the same venues all the time. And I felt as if failure is the wrong word, but it just felt like you know groundhog day without without the mm. involvement of Andy McDowell. It was <laughs> it was really it know it, it got really depressing. And like with anybody, our our shows usually end up doing pretty well, but you know, worrying about ticket sales, not so much from a financial perspective, but just from a is it going to be Personal fun? pride, Yeah, uh, not wanting to feel humiliated perspective. Mm. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. there were two shows in particular for different reasons. One was in uh, Sheffield and we'd only done something like, and it, we'd no, I say we'd only, we'd done 50-odd in advance and we turned up at this place and it was quite a big room and I was just, I don't know. Just unable to to cope with the reality of that for the first time, having done this for like 12 years, having all that, that pressure, of you know, building up at times, you know, it, at times it is, tough is the wrong word, but it's a bit bizarre being in a band that's so well regarded and at times was watched by so few people. Yeah, you know, it's yeah, it's yeah, yeah. like almost having the emotional bends. You know, <laughs> you, you, you feel you meet some people and they're so excited they can't speak, and then you go to play another show and the seven people and yeah. you don't you don't have any emotional consistency in in your life. And basically, I was just I wouldn't say I was an asshole, but I was definitely I definitely turned into an emotional person who who went to set sit in the uh in the dressing room with my head in my hands, which isn't the way I. Like to conduct myself, and there was also on that very same tour there was a show we did in Birmingham, in a venue because basically our well is it Ryder I don't know our stipulation is we I mean they're not really venues anymore barfly venues it's no coincidence that barfly and predictive text comes up as barely you know (laughs) (laughs) that now that is a fantastic assessment but we don't do academy venues either. Haven't done for years. It's just that's not the shows I want to do. I'd rather just not play. I'd just rather not play any shows at all than play in that environment and be treated in that kind of way. Mm. Uh, So we got this venue in Birmingham. And again, I can't remember what the venue was called. But when we turned up, we realized it was just our agent had conned us basically and got us to play an Academy venue because it had a different name, you know? Oh. The academy do that sometimes. There's the Waterfront in Norwich. Well, I right. like, oh, we play the Waterfront. Yeah, we haven't played the Waterfront in Norwich. It's a fucking Academy. No venue.
3: brown M&Ms. Fuck people, you
0: know? <laughs> <laughs> fuck them. No
3: brown you know, Not, not M&M. the where
0: they gain Ghana pleasure from it, but you know, <laughs> I just don't want anything to brown do with calling. those. Brown yeah, It's not like some artisan indie venue, uh, like, wanting to just play these small, cool places. It's specifically not wanting to give money to those those companies mm. because of various incidents through the years. And the loading at this venue in Birmingham was fucking, like... I mean, I, I enjoy loadings, generally speaking, although some of my band would laugh at me in the last few years because <laughs> there's always been interviews and stuff to do. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: But it's, 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 it's exercise and it's, it's part of the, it's part of the, the ritual of, of doing a show, you know, getting in the, the mindset of it. Um, but the loading was, I mean, it was about a 500-meter f- walk, Oh. With everything up several flights of stairs. The loading took us an hour. It was Oof. it was ludicrous. And it was so fundamentally depressing. And it ended up being a, a really well attended show. It might have even sold out 250 people. Terrible sounding room, but just the lack of so 250 people, probably paying somewhere in the region of twelve pounds each. So what? In receipts they've taken maybe three grand. And you go backstage and there's 12 cans of carling. And I write it again, specifically says, no fucking carling. Yeah. <laughs> Along that with reason. it, says no, <laughs> sorry, no, no brown, no brown carling. No, no, no carling whatsoever. <laughs> and I, 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 I was having some throat problems, which is like saying I I was alive, because the way I sing, I've always got throat problems. Um, and I asked, is it possible to get some, like, hot water? And is it possible to get some hot water? And they were like, no, there's no hot water in this building.
1: What the fuck? What?
0: You're like, this is, a, <laughs> this is a gigantic building with a huge nightclub in and stuff. And No, no, there's, there's no hot water. And those a two incidents for me... <laughs> I just basically was, Julia was in the band uh, by then. I was like, I I can't do this again. I can't do this anymore. at This level, no offense to this level, but I've done this level for a while now. And it's the, the sad parts of it are outweighing the, uh, outweighing the, the the fun parts of it, which I think it's important, isn't it? I mean, it's probably the same for you guys. Absolutely. You, 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 it's, It's sensible to sit down and assess what you're doing every so often and go, is this still worth it? Is it still – does the fun still outweigh the stuff? There's been a couple of times I've sat down and had that conversation with myself, and it's been close. haven't been – but then maybe something else will happen or whatever. Luckily, since those days, things have – I don't know. You've you've almost got to be – one part of it is you have to be very – Forthright about the things you want and don't want, and as a result, sometimes you miss out on doing shows. Um, but by virtue of that, if you, if you do do that, then you don't end up doing these shows that you hate, which end up making you question why, making you question why you are in a band at all.
2: Hmm. No. It, it's what you say about like the reassessing. We had um, <coughs> similar experience coming off of a recent tour of Ireland. Uh, which is just... Ireland has historically never... I mean, we love going there, but uh, some of the gigs have not necessarily enjoyed having us there. Um, and we had that one moment on oh, the ferry... No. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, On the ferry back, we were all sort of looking at each other thinking, is this... Is this fun? Because it doesn't feel like it's fun anymore. I can't remember... I don't remember Limerick being very fun when uh, your man... Oh, it was that night had... Um, uh, screech from Zeke, uh, bleh, Screech from Saved by the Bell DJing a good few hours afterwards, and we had about zero point zero five percent of what his audience would have been in that yeah. particular venue. Yeah. and you sort of you're going, oh, is this? I mean, it's no, oh, one of I mean, to a degree, it's a, it's a test of faith.
0: It's, it's a, but the thing is, it's not a test sent, sent by any malevolent body. <laughs> <laughs> the test sent by you and yeah. your own actions have put yeah. you in that position. I think in my experience, doing, especially on longer tours, a bad gig, everyone has bad gigs for one reason or another, bad attendance, you feel the show isn't great, shit monitoring for me, I need to be able to hear my voice if I can't hear my voice, I blow my voice out. That's it. Mm. Um, one bad gig is not great. Two bad gigs, you start to feel the pressure. Three bad gigs, I don't care. Especially on a long tour when you when you're doing it on a budget, sharing rooms, you know, and stuff. I don't care how well balanced people are. Three bad gigs in a row, and ev- the cracks which are there just start to fucking wind and, and yeah, you need Hughes. to be you need to be careful which is why we have a policy as well if we're doing a something an absolute cunt would call a secondary market maybe <laughs> 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 we know that term <laughs> you know, secondary markets but you can try i call them you know sometimes you go and play in a place like fucking penzance or lincoln and it's a group well, about like penzance and lincoln they're not secondary markets are they they're <laughs> Tertiary. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be a more appropriate word. But you can do those slightly more random shot in the dark shows if you do them occasionally, but a tour of shot in the dark shows No, not good. No. Bad bad idea, just you're asking you're asking for fucking for fucking problems if you do um, that.
1: I was gonna ask just about like academy venues and, and stuff, because they're probably nowadays they're probably not as I feel like you don't see as many bands playing in those kind of venues, or certainly bands that I would engage with don't necessarily play in those venues as much as they did, say, 10, 15 years ago. But do you think that there's a sort of complacency that started to come along? It sounds like it from, from your kind of experience of playing in those venues, because from our experience as as a band that we've never really played, I don't think we've ever played an Academy venue, have we? Apart from that one mental gig in Dublin.
2: But, oh, um, that was that was the one where we, where the ladies who were uh, dancing in an exotic manner were being hung by um, hooks from about ten feet above us via their the skin in their back. Yeah, it was a good it was a good time.
1: Um wow. well, it's all <laughs> gone a bit Perry there. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> it's all yeah. gone a bit porno for pyros. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: Um, but, yeah, so do you think there's a certain, like, level of complacency that's that comes along with those kind of, like, wholesale sort of academy right. venues, maybe? Well, venues like that are,
0: by by nature, just all about the numbers, aren't they? Yeah. So, so a band like ours who would maybe... Mm-hmm. Oh, fuck, I've just remembered playing a Birmingham Academy venue in, like, 2009 or something and play into a pretty full room. I don't know what it is about Birmingham, you know, but... <laughs> yeah. uh, Certainly not a city which you know my life revolves around in general, but this shows you how, all right, this is one person in one venue, but this is to me is representative of how Academy venues dealt with a band like ours. So on our rider, since time immemorial, we've had a bottle of Jameson, right? And we walked into our dressing room at this venue, and there was a bottle of Jameson with a red Smirnoff off top on it. (laughs) Oh <laughs> I don't know about you, but straight away my suspicions were you know, my spider senses were whatever spider senses do. Ting-tingle. I don't I don't know. Yeah. And so we opened it and smelled it, and it was, you know, just like a well whiskey or whatever. So I just walked out of the looking for the promoter or the rep, or whatever, with this. And as I walked towards him, he went, Before you say anything, I just want to apologize. <laughs> I'm like, and I'm like, yeah, but you don't. You don't even have enough respect for us to, to, to even put a Jameson lid on the, the bottle of <laughs> lies, <Jameson>. you know. <laughs> Little respect, and that night continued. Mm. Um, at the end of the show, uh, no, before the show, the guy went, Oh, we've got a good one tonight, 140 in. And if I have one ability in this world. It's being in a venue of up to about 500 capacity and being able to tell you within about five people how many people are in that room. <laughs>
3: because I've done
0: it for so long. I can go out and I can go, oh, there's 240 people here, probably 20 guests, so 220 payers. And I'm usually, not exact, of course, this isn't. This isn't a premiership football quiz, you know. Yeah. Now everybody knows Alan Shearer scored 260 premiership goals. but I don't, I don't fucking know that. <laughs> no, around. no, well, I, I, I'd actually just read it that day. In Newcastle, I, 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 I don't memorise things like that. But so, and so when I got off stage, I went outside to have a cigarette and I counted people out of the venue. Oh. And it was... I got up to two hundred and eighty for one hundred and forty-four sales, and the guy kept coming back to me like it was a negotiation, like it was you know life of Brian, you know when they're uh, when they're trying to like to, heck, to heckle over the not heckle a barter over the good.
3: You yeah, know. yeah, So I'd
0: go well, I counted two hundred and eighty people walking out when I was there, and he'd go, hmm, I think we had one hundred and ninety, and I'd go, well, try a bit less of the think and a bit more of the. How many? And we ended up, like, settling at 260 people or something. What? It was just fucking ludicrous. What? The thing is, if you're a big band who sell a lot of tickets, you're going to be very well treated in an Academy venue. Yeah. You know, it's as, it's as simple as that, whereas we've had incidents where somebody's explained to me, or no, said, oh, you know, we don't have fridges backstage. You know? And I'm like, oh, no, we do. We do, though. We do have fridges backstage we do, we do. Wow. there is going to be you, you go put it this way there is going to be a fridge backstage alright doesn't make me Axl Rose to want a fridge fairly common household appliance <laughs> to make the beer I'm only going to have three beers right but to make the beer somewhat cold <laughs> that actually happened once at a, a festival in Cardiff called Compass Point that we did as McCluskey and uh, the guy turned up with our rider, which, of course, was a case of carling. Oh. Always, especially when it says no carling. And I said, is there any chance of having that cold? And he went, "How?" he said, how the hell do you think we make beer cold at a festival? <laughs> and I'm like, Elec- electricity, maybe. <laughs> and he went... And he went he went, yeah, right. And I went, how do you think they're running the fucking stage, mate? <laughs> this isn't Pinky in the Brain, and there's not a guy with a on a bike generating the fucking energy behind it. <laughs> this is the thing, but a, a band with less confidence who hadn't been through so much stuff would have gone, oh, right, I'll just drink, you know, yeah, warm, yeah. warm carling or whatever. Yeah. Warm carling? Oh. I mean, at that point, it really is only an alcohol delivery system, isn't it? <laughs> so, there's no pleasure in that experience at
3: once. Uh,
0: ooh, absolutely not. So, yeah, Academy venues. I mean, I'm sure there's lovely people working there, but I've never met them.
3: Mm.
1: (laughs) definitely been to to a few venues where uh you sort of walk into kind of green room area and you see that there are appliances in the green room but it's almost kind of tacitly implied that they're not really for you they're there but they're not not for your use i'm afraid you're not Uh, the insulation
0: yeah (laughs)
1: yeah oh god I think my only experience of actually playing an academy venue uh like a proper one was Manchester Academy when I was about 17 and I had to sell personally sell 60 tickets and and hire a coach to get my school friends to go
0: So go. Yeah.
2: yeah I've done that one too Yeah yeah oh, we, did,
0: we did that at a venue called the Laurel Tree in uh, which was in Camden, just around the corner from the World's End, if you know the World's End in
1: Camden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: which isn't there anymore. yeah, we, uh, we did that in ninety seven or something. Mm. Um shit. yeah, we took two coaches from Cardiff to the lottery. Oh. Fucking hell. Nah, it's ridiculous. It was That's... fucking awful as well. Cause we yeah. were shit as well. <laughs> we got good eventually, but we were fucking shit for a while before we did a record, like shit as well. You oh, know, shit. It's like yeah, a that's, right. that's not self-deprecating. It objectively, <laughs> <shit>. <laughs> oh, God. Well, we played Manchester Academy uh, in like two thousand and eight, maybe, and the upstairs room in Manchester Academy is actually, which used to be called the Hop and Grape. That yeah. was is a great room. But the downstairs room, which has a bigger capacity...
2: Yeah, it's a club academy.
0: Is, is, yeah, is just a huge... It, it's just a dance floor, really. It's just, yeah, a, yeah. it's just a nightclub. And when we played there, I think Future the Left's first ever tour, it was one of those deals, again, where the bouncers just wade straight in the second the show's finished. and check everybody out. And for a button who need merch in order to pay rent and eat... Just and you know, there's so so many incidents with different academy venues. I like,
2: you know, we've had that in not so much academy venues, but that seems to be a, a running thing. Uh, where yeah, club nights, which we refer to as death and taxes, mm. for obvious reasons. Well, club and, nights, uh, the, the
0: disco, the disco loadout. I mean, we do yeah, we do our absolute best to avoid the disco loadout, and usually, again, you're, you're your, your power in those negotiations, the, the strength you have come is increased dramatically when you're selling a venue out and making them mm-hmm. lots of money. So they will, certainly in the last few years, and especially with the McCluskey shows, they will usually push stuff back for us to the point where uh, we still are pissed off at loading out, but we're not loading out through, and I'm using a technical term here, cunts dancing. Yes, <laughs> you know, I uh, the, the, get out of my way is something you should only have to say to somebody three times. <laughs> oh look, I dropped a speaker on your foot. Oh mate, I'm sorry. Oh, I dropped it again. Oh, I keep the speaker on your fucking foot. I know.
2: <laughs> uh, um, my worst loadout experience is the borderline in London. Um, which is, is it Charing Cross Road that it's of? I played the borderline
0: in like 97 or 8, but I, right. I think it's closed now. It is, um, it is closed. I don't, I don't really remember. Apart from that, we supported a band who was signed to Roger Taylor from Queen's label. <laughs> I don't really remember anything
2: about that <laughs> well it's got the worst loadout because you have to you can only go in it's only it's a one way it's a very narrow one way so you have to reverse out onto an incredibly busy main road but you also have to after 11 o'clock when you do load out um, you have to reverse into the queue for GAY uh, nightclub which is enormous <laughs> yeah so yeah. as well as then obviously you've got to load up a couple of flights of stairs and a rickety lift you then got to plough into 200 paying punters for gay who also don't understand the fact that a, a Vox AC30 will break your toes if I'm stood in the right position especially if thrown yeah <laughs> um, yeah we played um,
0: Future Left. Life we played Heaven in 2012 or 13 and it was it was actually a fantastic venue and speaking of good gigs a really memorable gigs. it was the biggest gig i'd ever done at the time While well, i say that it's still probably the second biggest gig i've ever done it's like like 900 people or something and uh the probably because they're used to dealing with uh with the huge crowd and there's a I don't know, maybe more of a, a pronounced customer service thing to, to GAY as opposed to just a normal nightclub where it's almost a badger on it to be headbutted by a doorman. The, <laughs> the door staff were ridiculously friendly and helpful to us. Oh, that's like, nice. To the point of, to the point of what, why is this happening? I don't <laughs> understand. Did you feel uncomfortable? Why, you know, this guy strode out and he went, let me show you where to park, lads. And you're like, oh, what? Oh. I, I, I wasn't expecting that, you know? And at the end it was like, you know, how, how do you guys want to load out? Can we help you with that? And you're like,
2: yes, yes, you can.
0: can. What is happening? I don't, <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand what's, what's happening here. Everybody is delighted to, to help. Uh, but um, yeah. That was a, uh, you know, let's get a little bit of positivity into the, into the middle of this. Uh,
1: into the middle. There's, there's, um, there's a venue in a newish venue. I think it's called yes in Manchester. And um, there, yeah. and uh, I, I went there as a punter. I went with Mike actually to go and see uh, Jane Weaver, and the uh, the the door staff were like were really lovely, sort of really chatty. And I was like it's a similar thing. I, I, obviously, as a punter, instead I was really confused by it. I was like, mm. "You're supposed to kind of look at me in a suspicious way." And not say a word to me unless you want to check my identification. That's mm-hmm. your job, role. Why are you being nice?
0: Yeah,
1: but well, it was quite disarming and strange. Yeah, because usually the
0: atmosphere is you can beat me in an arm wrestle. You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's it. That's yeah. Yeah. That's the you know the main part of it. But uh, mm. yeah, it was it was it was really really fantastic. I mean, we've all, we've obviously all had our bad experiences um, with. Uh, we nearly funny. had a bad experience. Uh, when we were just doing the the McCluskey shows in Australia and they were all just fantastic. I mean, I hesitate to use terms like life-affirming, but just incredible experience. But there was one guy who came out of the crowd. Damien didn't see what was happening as he was coming out of the crowd. He just saw the way the... Because it was a big show. It's like 800 people, really packed, really quite frantic at the front. He only saw the way the the security of the front pulled the guy out and not roughed him up exactly, but certainly threw him about. And Damien said some stuff to them. And after the show, I was like, you do know that guy was just kicking people in the head as he was crowd But straight away, to be fair to the big fella, straight away and apologising to the door staff, made everything sweetness and light. So oh. it's a, no, it's a, it's a, it's a real thing in this, in this, it's it's very difficult to admit you're wrong or apologise, particularly, you know, rock music. It doesn't matter if you're playing to 10 or 20 or or 800 people. It's an emotionally heightened moment. And it's very difficult to come down from a position of righteousness once you've given proof that you were wrong. (laughs) So... But it, was, but it was great It was great to see it sorted out again. This is, this is all turning out far too nice, isn't it? I was going to uh, say,
2: well, our positivity remit is pretty much at capacity now. So capacity. if you could, yeah. if okay. you could bring, bring in some negativity, we'd really appreciate okay, it. Okay, <laughs> let, me, let me bring in some negativity. I'll have a, Give us I'll have a look again,
0: once again, at my extensive. Mm. Um, there isn't a lot to say about this, but the two worst shows I've ever played have both been in Utrecht. Oh. Same venue. Uh once as McCluskey, once as Future of the Left, and we were just shit both times. Just shit. I I try try and not play shit shows. McCluskey in their original incarnation played a lot more shit shows than because of the nature of the band, the individuals involved, that's a very diplomatic way of putting it. It would either be, it was feast or famine a little bit.
1: You know? Yeah, okay,
0: yeah. If somebody, if somebody in particular was feeling it, then it was a fantastic performer. But if he wasn't feeling it, it could be a little bit, um, yeah, lack, lacklustre, <laughs> it might be worth saying. But apart from that, I don't have really anything else to say from your Trekt, other than, I mean, I've had a relationship with weed for parts of my life, but Dutch crowds are a pretty compelling argument against the legalization of music. Do <laughs> <laughs> um, you know because because that's not a way to react to a rock band. No. Mm.
1: You know that's interesting because we've only really played we've played in Holland what once?
3: Uh, Is that yeah, yeah. only once? Denhard. And, and
1: it yeah. it was it was a very incredibly non plussed reaction. I'd say, from most yeah, people fine. that were watching It us. was such a
3: weird venue, though, wasn't it? It was like a, almost like a converted school that, that had been turned into rehearsal studios. Right. And um, every member of the audience was just the other bands that had just finished rehearsing and just come in for, like, an after-procky bevy. <laughs> it was just fucking awful, wasn't it? <laughs> there were these, like,
1: 40-, uh, 50-year-old fellas just sort of standing there, sort of watching us, and, and were just almost immediately disappointed because we weren't playing blues rock or something and and that and it happens
2: was... to us quite a lot on the continent people expect essentially a free covers band and <laughs> yeah. arras 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 Do in france get... which is probably the worst loading and load
3: out i think we've ever done where we have to carry our gear above everyone's heads to get to stage stage stage, <laughs> stage. <laughs> which is in front of what a, a fucking gambler machine or something, oh, yeah. and a load of barrels <laughs> on the way to the
0: bog. France. <laughs> there's, there's a certain uh, rock shows as events are better. Like I always think it's better when there is an actual stage. Yes, and people can emerge from behind the stage. It doesn't need to be a dressing room as such, but and play. And there's a a degree of separation between the performer and the audience. Yeah, certainly. A sense that that I realise this probably gets me banned from, you know, I I don't know if there are any DIY forums anymore. I'm always deeply suspicious of people who tell me they're DIY. Um, I just assume you do it yourself. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, exactly. You it's know, I just assumed that's what you do. So, telling me that, are you also wearing trousers? Because I think it's important <laughs> wear a wear a trousered band. Because <laughs> you know, um, it just it it definitely. I mean, there was a, there was a time, I suppose, when labels like that were relevant, um, yeah, in terms of the wider cultural impact that that bands had, because bands were getting reaching wider audiences whilst not embracing those those uh, trappings of the music industry, but those trappings of the music industry are only available to very few bands now. Mm. So it would be a lot quicker to point out the bands who weren't DIY than to tell people you're actually DIY. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We have an agent, a live agent, feature of the left, not, not the McCluskey shows, but that's our only business kind of, of contact and has been for you know, several, several years. It's not really yeah. necessary for a band like us to have management. It's just not. No, no. And at the end of the day, 15% of fuck all is fuck all. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I think it's
1: it kind of boils down to that, um that thing. We've kind of, we've kind of touched on it before is like, it's almost like I don't really understand the DIY thing as a badge of honour, as if it's kind of like sometimes it's kind of used as an excuse for things to be shit as well yeah, you know you'll, yeah, you'll go to a venue and you'll be like oh yeah. well we're just
0: a DIY amateur. yeah amateur. and you'll like yeah, yeah. It's, a syn- it's a synonym for amateur yeah. and that's the that's the problem with yeah. it yeah. it's it's like getting your excuses in early so. yeah, yeah yeah Well, absolutely. that is a very old photograph you know i do yeah yeah. That. <laughs> yeah yeah like, yeah, yeah I get don't worry i'm still going to come on your knee um <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> But uh, No, no, I'm not. Uh, but that's a shame. Yeah, there is. But again, I'm, I'm probably just noticing the the people who abuse the term rather than the people embrace it and use it to use it to create good things. I mean, there are cities which genuinely have uh, great DIY scenes, Bristol and Leeds, yeah, yeah, in particular. But you know, they don't go on about it too much. They just no, get no, on no. with getting on and doing the. And doing the music, you know. To
2: them, it's just gigs,
0: gigs, music, band, yeah. events, are you a DIY band. Oh, ah, uh, yes, I suppose you know, in a way.
2: Yeah. Well, I, I did write the music. We wrote the music ourselves. We wrote <laughs> all of the music ourselves, yeah.
0: <laughs> apart from all the songs which are Devo covers. Um, but yeah, so yeah, you tracked and um, what? What? What are the rubbish, fucking shitty gigs? Um we on election day in 2004 in the states we were touring and uh on election day we were in phoenix and uh the guy dri- we had a small you know van the kind of van every cheap band uses to drive around uh the states i don't know what it's called i'm not one of the drivers i I know what a Nissan Micra is because my mother had one when I was a kid, but I know nothing of... I know nothing of your human vehicles. (laughs) Um, But we had a trailer for our stuff and on election day, our trailer got stolen with all of our stuff. Oh, no. All of it. We lost $28,000. Oh, no. Took us six years to pay it off, including all our merch, which, frankly, is no use to fucking anybody, you know. Um... And that was the day that George W. Bush then later that day won, re, won, was re-elected. So yeah, that yeah. didn't exactly help. the, no. the mood. And we had to play the entire set that night, which I think is on YouTube, actually, the, the set. with We were being supported by a band you probably remember called Your Code Name Is Milo yeah. in the stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, they had rather more money behind us than, than we did. Um, lovely people um, really lovely people and we had to use all of their stuff we had literally two guitars left out of all of our stuff so and a lot of it was hired Uh, and in fact Gibson had lent us two guitars at the start of this tour which had been three weeks beforehand and the guitars were no good for us I forget what guitars they were I mean one looked like a one was like a flying V with identity problems. It was no use to me whatsoever. Like I, And we'd been trying to return them to Gibson for the entire tour. And reps were meant to be coming to certain shows and meeting us and taking the guitars, but they'd never turn up. And so we ended up paying three grand back to Gibson for two guitars that I'd never played. Fucking so hell. That was a... That wasn't so much the actual gig itself. That day was wasn't spectacular. Maybe sixty people in a gar in a in a in a gar.
1: A gar. I've spent too long in
0: Wales. (laughs) A French
1: French train station.
0: uh, But uh, yeah, sixty people in a in a bar in Phoenix. You you feel as if uh, the world is ending. That you know the right wing is really rolling over liberal sensibilities of course we thought back then that George W Bush was as bad as it got how oh boy how little how little we knew we we look (laughs) at him as now as a fluffy little teddy bear of a racist don't we as opposed to the fully engaged the fully engaged one but to lose all of that it was me who discovered the 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 trailer had been taken I walked out uh, onto the balcony of the motel we were staying at and just leant over leant over the the balcony and saw a van and no trailer and knocked on our uh, tour manager's door. And I went, you haven't, um, how can I put this? You haven't taken the trailer somewhere else, have you? <laughs> and he just went, what do you mean? I went, I think you should look because there's no trailer there. Oh. And he just went out and, yeah, it was a... It was a day.
3: Did you ever ever find any of your gear whatsoever after that? Uh,
0: no. I'm not as connected to the criminal underground in Phoenix <laughs> and across the Mexican border. I'm sorry if that sounds ragey but apparently a lot of the, the thefts around then were, you know. But I'm not as, as connected to the, the criminal underground as, as, as I was. Uh, so so no, we, we, ne- we never found that equipment, but it did take years and years to pay that debt off beggars banquet were a lot of help and you might be able to hear the sarcasm in my voice oh
1: god what the fuck jesus especially if it's hired as well because i mean did, they, did the hire company not like have insurance for that sort of thing happening and all that kind of shit
0: no not because not be, because of the way it was stolen basically when it comes to i mean subsequently certainly with the later future of the left we'd be insured out of our asses, if I may use a uh, an old Catholic term. Uh, but <laughs> basically, when it comes down to musical insurance, you're insured, usually, if you're in a van, uh, like a splitter van, yes. which is immobilised, and you're all there, armed, and <laughs> Channel 4 is there with a the camera <laughs> to record anybody who might steal anything. It's so fucking precise and of course it is insurance companies aren't there to help you are they no not at all you know they're there to they're there to take your fucking money yeah. um so pay,
1: pay you yeah. for a service that doesn't exist
0: or the opposite yeah, it right? was it was it was very it was very, i mean we were traveling on a budget yeah. if maybe if we'd been in a big splitter van and we travel here in splitter vans but splitter vans in the states we used them on the last feature left tour actually because we were so traumatized by what happened but splitter vans in the states are a serious business as in they're slightly bigger and they are by more luxurious to the point where on the last tour we felt like we didn't really belong in it like it was like we get to go in this oh my god i'm like i'm lying in the back because there was like a little bed in the back and i just it wasn't even a full length it was more just a couch at the back but i basically just I just dozed for the whole tour. It was fucking amazing. But oh, that's as weird. a result, I mean, that, that van cost us 200 bucks a day or something. So, and that yeah. was eight years ago. So yeah. you'd probably be looking at 300 bucks a day now. But when when you've had all of your stuff stolen. Ouch. You, yeah. Yeah. yeah you it's take, worth it. You it. take those, you take yeah. those precautions.
1: What well, I mean, what sort of turnout would you expect on a US tour with with each of the left,
0: what now? I've no idea. Um, it definitely. If we did say Seattle, the big city is really good turnout. Like I reckon, you could be looking at four hundred in Chicago, five five similarish in New York. Seattle even more. Seattle is nice. just always fantastic for us. Los Angeles, of course, fantastic. Uh, uh san francisco a bit smaller but great but the problem uh boston good uh, all the big cities really good turnouts but the problem is all the places in between when you play so sort of high like hill it. yeah and there's 12 people yeah and you're being paid 200 bucks i
1: guess I mean, the problem with america with its size is that you've yeah. got to do those interim if you, shows if you
0: have the money because it's not just this the thing is it Future of the Left could do America now and could break even on fees and things, and we could make money from merch, merch say. Okay. But there's the visas to take account of. So for four people, we're looking at about five grand. I mean, straight away. And there's a 30% withholding tax applied at every single venue. So a $2,000 fee is now $1,400. Whereas with a lot of other tours, say Australia has a holding tax of 25%, but that's applied at the end and you can offset things against it. So even though you're taxed pretty severely, I mean, the good thing about taxes like that, I mean, this is not the content that your podcast (laughs) listeners are here for. If you're, say, taxed in the States or Australia in that manner, you're not then taxed on that income here. So it's a question of, when you're taxed as opposed to, you know, because we have reciprocal tax agreements. But when you're literally taking the money out of your pocket on a tour like that, like I I talked to an agent in maybe November about doing some McCluskey shows in, in the States. And even though in two of the cities, we could probably guarantee seven or $8,000 per show. We would be breaking even if we went there for two weeks because wow. of the attendant cost. Which sounds ridiculous to me, even as I'm saying it, but it's true. There's just no there's there's no it would have to be another stage bigger. Cause I would say that I mean future of the left is is would be very difficult in the States because it's not as well known and we mm. haven't been there for eight years. Yeah, yeah. Where you build up in the States even more than anywhere else as you keep playing and you keep playing, which is why you need that record company support. Blah, blah, et cetera. And indeed, blah. <laughs> there's, there's another one. It might be slightly controversial for fans of the band Future of the Left, but we, we take the a live album in 2000, and again, I don't remember, whatever. And especially back then, everything used to break. Everything used to break. And usually right at the start of the set. And so when we were type, taking the live album In the Water Rats um, in London, the bass went in the first song, the bass amp. So we had to oh. fix it. And I had to have something to talk about. So I just started talking about Reverend and the Makers because we've <laughs> done this building the previous day. Song. Now, the thing is, yeah, it was, it was, it was kind of funny, but I do, I do regret saying that for a lot of reasons. Firstly, that cunt kind of is massive you know yeah. it's a massive massive camp. and like a lot of people I don't enjoy the possibility of being punched in the face I've punched in the face and also being punched in the face and both experiences really hurt yeah uh, <laughs> really hurt. punching somebody hurts it yeah, really, yeah. unless you practice it all the time and I don't know I have other hobbies <laughs> so I don't, <laughs> I don't practice a good face punching but I regret it on that level just on the self-preservation level um, I regret it because uh, I subsequently found out uh, only a couple of years afterwards that the main thing that uh, some friends of mine had accused them of doing, they hadn't actually done. Uh, but, but then that was, and I was about to actually apologize, and then the daft cunt started taunting me on Twitter for actually having a job. Uh, oh. saying, what are you doing now? I'm, you know, headlining, I don't know, the whatever festivals, bands like that play. But still, I still regret that that came out in that, in that way, even though it's quite funny. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, you, you know, and I, but I think it's, it's natural to, to, to grow up a little bit and grow out of things. I'm not a naturally confrontational person at all. Um, but when you're on stage and everything breaks and suddenly you've got something to say, you just say the first thing that comes into your mind. And, you know, Im- objectively speaking, just make shit music. So I just, yeah. you know, rift a, a little bit on that. I wish I hadn't. I wish I'd just shut up and let silence reign. No, I don't. <laughs> I don't wish I'd done that. I wish I, I'd um, done
2: i have listened to that album quite a few times uh yeah. as a bit of a fan and um i always i find that brilliant i find that first passage i know everything breaks in its horrendous way but listening is i really really enjoy the fact you have to you do the you restart the Cotney's australians intro yeah. bit which I, I and i also my favorite bit of that whole thing the music obviously yeah But the uh the bits about dwayne johnson is it dwayne johnson Um, no not Dwayne Johnson The Rock I mean the 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 Olympic athlete who you talk about Dwayne Chambers no is the one who um, you call him a useless cunt because he can't even cheat properly I can't remember who it is God you know what I, I can't you know what it's it's whatever <laughs> is in your consciousness at the time. you yeah. get The piss out of them, and Lance then you, Armstrong.
0: Then you move on.
2: Yeah. Possibly, but yeah. Uh, but it, it just it's funny the perspectives because obviously for you that was horrendous, and for me listening exactly well, for, for me to that show, it, was but... like,
0: it was a controlled panic because yes. and it was also oh for fuck's sake! Because <laughs> about a week before we played in Brighton and exactly the same thing had happened, and I'd had to basically do impromptu stand up. <laughs> and, and if I wanted to do stand stand up, so you know, they've got to have a remarkable confidence. I've I, I'm, I can be quite funny, but I've got a guitar behind me, yeah, so it's a shield, if somebody in the way. audience threatens to be funnier than me, which which happens, I can just hit the guitar and and also I've got the mic, so I can be louder than them and by virtue virtue more more imposing. um But yeah, it was a. Like I say, I, I, I regretted. A, I regretted a, a little bit, especially since you know, on at least two occasions, I'd be doing an interview with someone, and the guy would go, "Oh, by the way, John says hi." Oh I'd go, no, John. You go, "Oh yeah, you know, from Reverend and the Makers," and oh. I go, "Oh well, fucking say hi back then."
1: Yeah.
0: What, what do you mean? Like what? What do you I... mean? Like what? What? What kind of? What are we I... actually in the playground now?
1: Yeah. <laughs> i mean well, I, I imagine that you probably said it as a fairly sort of offhand not really expecting it to escalate into anything other than a comment that you said well, on stage. i had I forgotten proceed. i was recording a live
0: album to be honest right. it, okay which I really should have seen this is not to take away my responsibility in this uh you know on this occasion it's still i still should have you know found a I still should have maybe found some better material. I should have picked on somebody smaller than me. Is what I'm saying. There's a guide for you. You know, you're going to pick a fight, guys. Pick a fight with somebody, somebody who sounds less like Sabian and is smaller than you. <laughs> They're the two basic rules of picking on people. I think. But yeah, you I see. Think... Even even as I half apologise, I'm making things worse. For myself.
2: Welcome, <laughs> welcome to welcome to my life. <laughs> I think that's quite a nice. Uh, unless you have anything, any burning desire to bring anything else to the table, that's quite a nice way to. I don't to have bring you to know? A close.
0: There's obviously lots of bad gigs by by definition, but uh, I think that's a you know that little bit of regret, a little winsome look into a person's past, and the way the ways we can see they've they've changed and or haven't changed. I think is the perfect lens to to view the. Uh, the enigma that is me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, 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 I'm embarrassed to
0: say I got close to meaning that, but I, I didn't. <laughs> Oh, well,
1: that's nice. That's nice for it to be genuine in some capacity. Thank you. you Only
0: in some capacity.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been nice. uh, it's been a genuine pleasure to have you on, and uh, thank you ever so much. Um, do you have anything pl- pluggable? Do you have anything you would like to plug to our audience of at least 80 people? The the look
1: on on your face, as Ben even suggested, that says everything to me.
2: Plug in?
0: No, although, you know, a mate of mine was talking about running out of... He was talking about... He was running out of weed, and he was talking about a mate of mine he knows is stocked up on a lot of drugs. Right. I started thinking which is something I don't tend to do a lot is started thinking about, and I don't even mean this in a flippant way, people who live off the books, you know, drug dealers and stuff. And, you know, not every drug dealer is a, is a cackling guy in a Mac. So um, I just, you know, there's that extra level of worry for people who live off the books generally. And, um, you know, maybe if any of you've got dealers or uh, I don't know, somebody <laughs> provides you with saucy postcards, Maybe PayPal and twenty. Yeah, yeah. So it <laughs> see, I was being serious, and it still sounds sarcastic. It's awful.
2: Um, Plugging off the post-cats. books
1: businesses is is the way we sign off the podcast for today.
0: <laughs> Fantastic, no, a, ple- a pleasure to talk to you all, and um, you too, mate. Just keep just keep taking care, and I hope social distancing is more of a concrete concept than it is in West London, where yeah. I can only assume everybody really likes. Uh, Having Dis- diseased, a potentially fatal virus. It's, yeah, uh, wow. wonderful. Fucking crazy, mate. It's fucking mm. absolutely crazy. Well, yeah, take care of yourselves. Um, yeah. don't um, no racist dancing. Okay. Yes. And no. Uh... That takes <laughs> out tomorrow night then. <laughs> so so limiting of yourself, you know. You should, <laughs> should yeah, so limit of yourself. But no, pleasure to talk to you all. And, and you uh, Yeah. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You take Bye, care. Take Bye care.
2: everyone. Bye.